Her hands shook so hard she could barely fit the key into the lock. Focus, Louise. Finally, it caught, the door giving way. She pushed through into a deceptively handsome study. She didn't have long. Lou beelined straight for the desk. It has to be in here. The desk was locked. She fumbled with the key ring. There. She withdrew a stack of paper, thumbed through it. Yes. This is it. This is what I need. A door slammed downstairs and her heart kicked, frantic. He could not find her in here. She bolted for the hallway, choking on panic. Too late. The stairs creaked. What are you doing, Louise? Realm presents Elixir. Episode 3. I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Well, wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Vera hadn't seen a crowd this big in the Jaded Rose for months. How had a gentry princess turned around a dwindling hush bar, whose business she did not even approve of, in just one week? For starters, they'd extended the dance floor. Up on stage, another change, live music. Elsie held an amplophone in one hand, the other hooked through Art's elbow. Vera wasn't sure whose hidden talents surprised her more, Art's or Elsie's but it was definitely Elsie holding the crowd in her palm. 
Vera didn't realize she was staring until Rolf nudged her out of the way to grab the dance elixir. She leaned in to take the order of a man in a top hat. After, she found Rolf watching her with a smug expression. What? Vera needed to shout. His smirk widened. You like this one. Who? Top hat? But then she noticed the direction Rolf nodded. Elsie's hair shone like liquid gold. Her hips swayed to the beat, curves so soft it was impossible not to stare. Elsie's gaze flicked Vera's way. She winked without missing a beat. Vera's pulse stuttered. I don't know what you're talking about, she told Rolf. Far too late. Course not. You never mix business and pleasure, right, cuz? Oh, wait. Who was the last person you went steady with? Vera punched his shoulder. Maureen doesn't count. Maureen was our main distributor. We got pleasurable one time. That's not going steady. Exactly. And that was two years ago. Don't you think it's about time you climbed back onto the carriage? You can't call women carriages, you ass. Rolf flung his hands up. Vera hid her grin, ducking away to serve another customer. With Harlow breathing down her neck and the council swearing anew to rid Locke of hush bars, the last thing Vera could afford right now was romance. She had always been the practical Reeves. It was why her father had left her in charge after his arrest. Across the bar, the set wound to a close. Elsie whistled into the amplophone. Whew, I don't know about you all, but I need a breather. Elsie hopped off stage, art in tow, and began to circle. Vera watched a handsome young woman in a tux lay a hand on Elsie's forearm. Who is that? But then a different sight caught her attention. Aunt Maud was hurrying down the stairs, not a thread of her uniform in sight. Maud never came in the front. Shit. Shit! Vera and Rolf chorused at the same instant. The only reason she could think of for Maud to risk being seen in the jaded rose wearing plain clothes was to warn them of an incoming raid. Tell the others to unlock the emergency doors in case we need to evacuate, Vera shouted. With that, she grabbed a bottle of chameleon elixir and ducked under the bar. She met her aunt on the bottom step and handed over the bottle without a word. Maud took a swig. Vera watched her aunt's gray hair and familiar features morph until Vera no longer recognized the pale young redhead before her. Thanks! Maud wiped her new, much fuller lips with the back of one hand. With any luck, nobody had glimpsed her on the staircase. Now she could blend in freely. Sorry to barge in like this, but I thought you'd want to know. Vera's stomach clenched. Dad. Maud tugged Vera into the shadows beneath the spiral steps, away from curious patrons and family alike. There's something going on at the dam tonight. A break in security? Vera squinted, counting cousins. If they could get inside the dam tonight, she'd have to pull as many employees as she could spare away from the bustling hush bar. With Elsie's shows drawing new business, Vera needed all the Dwimer water she could find. No, but you know I check the schedule twice a day. This morning, it looked normal. 
Six guards, all names I recognize. All reluctant to accept my, uh, monetary persuasion. Recently, Maud hadn't been able to bribe anybody. It was like all the damn guards had gone straight-laced at once. Then tonight, right before I left, all six of those names were gone. And two new names had been added. Aaron and Sandra. Vera frowned. Aaron and Sandra were old-school iron shoes, notoriously unscrupulous. Who has the coin to buy off an entire heretofore unbribable squad and swap in two crooked iron shoes? No idea, but I intend to find out. Vera nodded. If you're going up to the dam, I'm coming with you. Before she could move, a third voice spoke up close enough to make the hairs on the back of Vera's neck tickle. So am I. Elsie. Vera hadn't even heard her approach. I think this has something to do with my sister. Tonight looked to be Elsie's most successful evening yet, at least in terms of crowd size. Elsie could tell her suggestions for the bar surprised Vera, mostly because they worked. Much to the Duke of Thornley's embarrassment, Carlotta Thornley had insisted on teaching her daughters about business, of all things. Carlotta's parents had built a thriving silk empire. Then they'd wrecked that empire through ill-advised stratagems, just as Carlotta came of age, destroying her marriage prospects in the process. But you can learn as much from someone's failure as you can from their success, her mother would say. She'd raised her daughters with the same drive. All week, Elsie had been singing at the bar. Elsie's one worry was that someone from her old life might wander into the jaded rose and blow her cover. But so far, word of the hush bar's newest performer didn't seem to have made it all the way to Clifftop. Still, she never forgot her primary mission. Every night between sets, she'd circled the bar, mentioning her older sister at every turn. Then tonight... On a break between sets, a young woman in a sharp tuxedo had intercepted Elsie. You never told me you could sing! A telltale glaze coated the woman's pupils. Elsie smiled. I'm sorry, I don't believe we've met. Lou! Elsie's heart nearly stopped. It's me, silly Andromeda, from the social club. Right, of course. <laughs> Elsie pretended to be distracted by something on stage, an excuse to turn her cheek. She and Lou looked more alike in profile than head-on. Andromeda affected a conspiratorial whisper. Aren't you supposed to be at the dam tonight? You know, with him? Elsie liked the sound of that even less than social club. Change of plans. Andromeda's eyes narrowed. Hang on. You're not... Oh, source! Elsie grabbed for her sleeve. Please, lose my sister. I need to know. No, no, no. Andromeda took a step backward and shook her head again, harder. The woman's eyes widened. Oh, I shouldn't have... Between one blink and the next, the girl took a huge gulp of her drink and vanished. Elsie's lips parted. She grabbed the space where the woman had been, but only swatted an innocent bystander. Hey! Watch it, the man grumbled. Elsie whirled away, scanning the audience. No sign of Andromeda. 
Then her eyes landed on Vera, across the bar, deep in conversation with an unfamiliar redhead. She picked her way through the crowd of dancers and reached Vera just in time to hear her say, If you're going up to the dam... Elsie interrupted to explain what the strange woman had told her. By the time she finished, Vera and the redhead were trading serious side-eyes. What do you think, Aunt Maud? We can take my stagecoach to the foot of the dam, but no guests. Elsie huffed. Did you hear what I said? My sister is there. According to a random stranger, Vera pointed out. She rounded on Vera. If I find Lou tonight, I'll be able to go home. No more gentry princess for you to worry about. True. But I also lose my new best performer. Why, Vera, is this your way of saying you'll miss me? Vera Reeves laughed. But she did not, Elsie noticed, deny it. The apothecar looked at her aunt. What if we leave Elsie in the carriage? Might be handy to have a getaway driver. Perfect! Elsie did not mention she'd never driven before. I like a story that will take me to extremes. And nothing says extreme quite like The Last City, a new Wondery podcast available now. Set in 2072... The city of Pura is a geo-engineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image, which, given its promise of being a miraculous green haven in a climate-ravaged world, shouldn't be too hard to sell. But things are not always as perfect and shiny as we'd like to believe. When she stumbles upon a dark secret that could lead to the downfall of Pura's existence if revealed, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Fifteen minutes later, she swayed in the back seat of Maud's official Iron Shoe stagecoach, watching every other pedestrian, horse, and car on the road careen desperately out of their way. Maud glared. Elsie got the sense Vera's aunt would take a bit longer to win over than the rest of the Reeves clan. Did you report your sister missing? Elsie licked her suddenly dry lips. My parents didn't think it warranted. 
She'd heard Papa's shouts all the way from her bedroom when Mama had suggested something similar. Do you have any idea what sort of scrutiny that would rain down on this family? She's an embarrassment. Who are they? Vera asked. Your parents, if you don't mind my asking. Elsie's pulse went wild. She'd had a week to prepare for this, and still, it was so difficult to lie to Vera's face. So she gazed out the window instead. Mikhail and Katerina Falk? Neither would recognize the names. No Mikhail or Katerina existed. But the Falks were a big clan. Minor gentry, not very well connected. The perfect cover. I know a Gregor Falk, Maud finally suggested. My second cousin. Elsie smiled. Beside her, Vera visibly relaxed. This only worsened Elsie's guilt. Almost there. Vera pointed out her side of the carriage. Elsie leaned over to look. Her arm brushed Vera's. The apothecary's skin felt whole degrees warmer than Elsie's. Outside hulked the dam, blotting out stars. They parked behind a boulder. Vera and Maud exited first. Elsie followed. Vera's jaw worked. We agreed you'd stay here to drive. I don't know how. <sighs> and that only just now occurred to you? Well, it occurred to me before, but I thought you might uninvite me, so... Maud pulled a tube from her back pocket. As she did, her glamour abruptly shorted out, her features returning to middle age. The tube expanded into a long iron club. Maud hiked off toward the dam. Vera followed. Elsie did, too. She caught up to Vera near a footpath leading to a solid iron door strapped with thick chains. She didn't understand the full mechanics, but she knew iron interfered with elixirs somehow. Elsie wondered how they would break in. But Vera didn't stop at the door. She and Maud traded nods and kept climbing up a different trail. Elsie peered over her shoulder and caught her breath. They were so high up. She could see most of Loch from here. Is that a waterfall? It's the Dwimer, rushing through the pipe system. Vera gestured at the dam. So, its magic is still alive up here. Which means, if we touch it, one drop of raw Dwimer water was potent enough to make you hallucinate. History and fables alike were full of overly curious children who jumped into the Dwimer River. They all drowned, because the second they touched the water, they forgot they had human bodies, let alone how to swim. Vera shot her a bemused look. Considering how protected that water is, I think you'll be fine. Maud, who up until now had been storming ahead, stopped at the peak of the trail. I don't like this. Vera scrambled up beside her, and Elsie hurried to join them. The path leveled out completely here. They were near the top of the mountain into which the dam was built. Only a short retaining wall, ten or twelve feet high, continued over their heads, also unguarded. This doesn't feel right, Maud. Vera rubbed at her arms. The iron shoe nodded. Could be a trap. Elsie blinked. A trap for who? Us. Maud shrugged. Reeves? Vera cursed. I'll search up top. You two stay here, in case Maud's right. Elsie bristled. I want to help. Vera reached into her pocket and withdrew a flask. 
Staying out of my way is helping. Vera took a careful swig. As Elsie watched, Vera's entire body shimmered. Elsie expected her to disappear. Instead, her shoulders and head seemed to extend, her skin and hair darkening to a surreal, inhuman blue, the better to blend with the night. But that wasn't all. She looked... taller? Then Elsie looked down. Vera's feet had left the ground. She was flying. Elsie made the mistake of blinking. Damn. She lost track of Vera. She held her breath. Waited. Her worry must have shown, because Maud leaned in. Vera knows what she's doing. Yet, as the seconds ticked into minutes, something like panic clawed at the back of Elsie's throat. What if Maud was right, and this was a trap? And Lou? What about Lou? Then she heard it. A shout, followed by a roar of fury. Vera. She broke into a run. Maud hissed something. She didn't care. All she could think about was Vera. Elsie reached the ladder and swung onto it. Near the top of the ladder, Elsie heard more shouts. Last rung, Elsie glanced down. Maud gestured furiously at her to come back. Elsie shook her head. Carefully, she rose on tiptoe and peered over the edge. Someone grabbed the back of her jacket and hauled her over the top. Elsie yelped and stumbled onto all fours. Found her so-called backup. Elsie looked up. The first thing she saw was Vera. They'd pulled her from the sky somehow. Elsie spotted a length of chain wrapped around her ankle. Business must be booming for you, Harlow. To her credit, Vera sounded as calm as if she'd run into this man on a street corner to chat about the weather. The man, Harlow, laughed. Only now did Elsie process the rest of the scene. The top of the dam was a solid stone ledge, several hundred yards wide. Beyond it glittered the reservoir, the man-made lake that used to be the Dwimer River. On every side of the reservoir, save for this one, rutilated quartz walls rose. But here, at the dam's lip, there was no guard, no wall. A truck idled nearby. A team of men and women bustled around it, hooking up hoses that dipped into the reservoir. Elsie's first dumbfounded thought was, surely Papa doesn't know about this. He would be furious to learn his dam had such an obvious flaw. Get up, a woman barked. She jammed an iron club into Elsie's side. Elsie stumbled toward where Vera fought to unwrap the chain from her leg. The apothecary's dark eyes flicked in her direction. This asshole doesn't surprise me, Vera jerked a thumb at Harlow, then narrowed her eyes at the woman behind Elsie. But I never thought you would sink so low, Sandra. It's a paycheck, Reeves. Nothing personal. Harlow clapped his hands. As much fun as this reunion is to witness, I do have pressing business. He waved at a nearby lackey with a clipboard. Just get them out of here. I don't want to deal with her cousins if we... Arlo stopped dead. He'd finally spotted Elsie. Where is it? Who did you sell me out to, you two-timing, backstabbing little... Confusion fled into his anger, as he no doubt realized his mistake, the same one Andromeda had made earlier. 
Elsie balled her fists. Where is my sister? Vera tossed the chain aside. She rose, dusting her pants off. Harlow's upper lip curled. That's right. Louise mentioned a younger sister. Elsie, was it? I'm guessing darling Louise didn't tell you about me. Elsie's chest tightened at the thought of Louise with this man. I said, where is she? The harlot ran out on me yesterday. But don't you worry your pretty little head. I'll find her. She and I are due for a chat. I swear, if you hurt her, don't you dare. You know, maybe Louise didn't introduce us for a reason. Maybe she worried if we met, I'd go for the prettier sister. Elsie's skin crawled. At first, Elsie didn't understand what had happened. Not until Harlow reeled backward, an angry red mark on one cheek. Vera stood between him and Elsie, shaking out her fist. She punched him. Vera didn't remember deciding to move. It was gut instinct. Insult Elsie, and Vera would fight back. But the crack of her knuckles across Harlow Jones' smug jaw felt good anyway. She bit out the stopper of the vial around her neck and tossed back its contents in one swallow. She'd learned her lesson after the last time Harlow cornered her. She kept a different elixir in there now. Strength and speed combined. Vera came prepared for battle. Harlow swung, but Vera was already ducking. His hand flew to his mouth, a flask drawn from a back pocket. Shit. Harlow caught her next strike easily, threw her to one side. Shit, shit, shit. He was far more experienced at fighting. Harlow advanced in one blink. Vera dodged his elbow, just barely. His other fist caught her on the side of the temple, and she blinked stars from her eyes. With a roar, she headbutted him in the gut. Harlow grabbed her arms, pinned them to her sides. She kicked off the ground, jammed her head back, and felt her skull crack Harlow's nose. He cursed, let go. Blood spattered the stone. They were just steps away from the reservoir. But Dwimer waited, surface deceptively placid in the moonlight. I was going to be a gentleman, Harlow snarled. But you, Reeves, have to make everything so difficult. I'd apologize, but I'm not sorry. Vera spread her hands. She waited for him to snarl and charge her again. So predictable. When he did, she dove out of his path, expecting momentum to carry him out and over that deadly edge. But no. He'd anticipated her move. Before she could recover, he shoved her open-palmed with both hands right over the edge. You're listening to Elixir by Ellen Goodlett, starring Ava Mag, Keeler Lee, and Marin Miller. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Realm, listen away.
Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Elixir is written by Ellen Goodlett. It is produced by Nicole Otto and executive produced by Molly Barton. Voice direction, audio production, and original theme music by Amanda Rose Smith.